Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, they say about 1 o'clock or so, it's supposed to warm up to about 37 degrees. So, in the spirit of keeping you all safe, <laughs> I will preach till 1 or 2 o'clock. How would that be? <laughs> Some of you are giving me an enthusiastic... What's that? No, I'll be alone. That's my friend Dick. Yeah, well, Paul had a Demas too. You know what the scripture says? For Demas has departed from me. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm glad you survived the storm of the century and made it out here today. I want to take out, I've been doing a message series. It really didn't start out to be a series, but it probably turned into a series. <laughs> Talking about Behold Your King. I am more convinced than ever after doing some study and been doing some study that the kingdom message is the dot connector of the Bible. I'm telling you, if you will come to an understanding of what Jesus preached when he preached the kingdom of God, this is what he preached about the most. And if you will come to an understanding of that message, it will connect the dots for you in terms of, it, it just makes the whole thing make more sense. I am convinced today that I can talk to an unbeliever and convince them quicker through the message of the kingdom than an actual message on trying to get them saved, all right? You now I look at the scripture and I see this whole thing throughout scripture where there, the Bible teaches us this biblical narrative of these two domains that have been at war with each other, the domain of darkness and the domain of, of heaven and the domain of God, the kingdom of God. And these two have been in war with each other. How many know they're still in war with each other today? All right? And, and if you don't believe that, then you just have to turn the news on, and I promise you, you'll see the kingdom of darkness at work. Amen? Because some of the atrocities that happen in our world are not the work of God. It's the work of evil. It's the work of evil. It's the work of darkness. It's work through the, the prince of the power of the air. All right? And it's at work in our world. Now, I, I say all that to say this, that when you go into Scripture, you can follow this message of the kingdom from cover to cover, and all of a sudden it begins to make sense that we, you and I, live in this kingdom now, okay? There is fulfillment later, but there is a kingdom now. Do you understand this morning that when you walk into a church that is operating and utilizing, whether it's in the service or through individual lives, when they are using the gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians 12, do you understand what that is? Do you understand that that is the power of the kingdom at work through people? When, when somebody drives out a demon, do you understand that that's the authority of the kingdom, the dominion of the kingdom that's overpowering the dominion of darkness? Like these are tools, if you will. They are resources. They are weapons within the kingdom of God. Uh, how many of you know the fruit of the Spirit? What's the fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of the Spirit is the character of the kingdom that lives within us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? All the things that you are. Wow. Right, we need to put that in song form. You'll say it better. All right, so, so, and on and on I can go, and I won't do that today, but I've got to show you something this morning. And so the, the, the challenge for me is to take what I think is probably one of the most important messages of Scripture and make it simple enough for us to grasp and understand and then understand how it impacts us on a daily basis. Because how I many that's what you really want to know? Right? So let me get into this. See, I got something to show you. will see how it goes, right? So go with me, first of all, to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19 is going to show us who Israel was. It's also going to show you who you were, all right? 
so it says this. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are tell the people of Israel. Tell them, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Let me stop there for a moment. If you know the historical narrative, the people of God in bondage, in captivity, in Egypt, 430 years, no power to deliver themselves, no power to get out, no weaponry to get them out. They were slaves, they were oppressed. And God comes and God mocks and brings plagues upon Egypt. Every one of those plagues were a mocking of one of the Egyptian gods. He turned to, he turned to Nile to blood. Why? Because he's mocking the Nile God. And then you have beetles and frogs and everything else that was happening in the land. Darkness was an affront to the sun God that they worship. He said, I brought you out. I carried you on eagle's wings. How many know this morning, he's the one that brought you out of Egypt? He's the one that brought you out of sin. You couldn't deliver yourself. He, and he did that to bring you to himself. And now if you fully obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. How many know God had a favorite? <laughs> okay. Israel was his favorite, right? But he chose them as his favorite because he wanted them to be a light unto the nations. All right. Although the whole earth is mine. All right. You will, and you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. All right, so, so when you look at this, God begins, he says this to them. First of all, he says, you're what? You're a chosen people. How many know he chose to save us before the foundations of the world? How many know he desired to save you, right? You are a preserved people. So look at Israel. Israel was chosen and they were preserved. Listen to me this morning. You know why you're alive today? Because he's preserved you. You know why the enemy hasn't destroyed you? Because he's preserved you, Right? You are a redeemed people, bought with a price, the precious blood of the lamb. When he brought Egypt, Israel out of Egypt, it was by what? The blood of the lamb. You are a redeemed people today. How many know if you're redeemed and you're bought, you belong to somebody else? And you are treasured people. Come on. Don't you just love it when you know that somebody treasures you? Thank you, Paul. Some of you need to feel a little more treasured. Penny, you should have yelled amen at that point. My little granddaughter knows she's treasured. My little guys know they're treasured, right? They, they just know it, all right? And they're a kingdom, people. You shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Now, this was God's design. This is what you're going to be. This is who you're going to be. You're going to go into Canaan. You're going to be my priest. You're going to be my kingdom of priests. You're my chosen, preserved, redeemed, and treasured people, and you're going to be a light unto the world, a light unto the nation. How many know this morning that we as kingdom of God of people are still to be a light unto the nations? Right? All right. Now, let me fast forward you now. So he takes this kingdom of priests. He tells them who they are. Chapter 20, he gives them a code to live by. Right? But then we're going to fast forward to chapter 28. And in chapter 28, here's the first verse I want to read. Then have Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. How many have ever named their child Ithamar? <laughs> Ithamar. I, mean, I, know, I know of Eleazar's. You could just call him Ithamar. You can call him Icky. All right? Eliezer, Ithamar, so they may serve me as priests. 
okay? Now, he says, for generations to come, watch this. This is what you do, all right? And for generations to come, I'm read this, um, to come, this burnt offering is to made regularly at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord. There I will meet you and speak to you. There also I will meet with the Israelites, and the place will be consecrated by my glory. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar, and I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priest. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So you've got this group of people coming out of Egypt, redeemed, bought with a price. They're coming out. They were ransomed by God, delivered and preserved. He says, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. This is how you're to live. And now... In chapter 28, he introduces this priesthood through Aaron and his sons. Aaron would become the high priest. And he would introduce this. And what they were to do is they had different functions and a variety of functions to serve God and serve the kingdom. Now, watch this. I'm going to set this up, and you'll see where it makes sense, like, at 2 o'clock. All right. Now. The priestly role, first of all, let's understand something. The first function of the priestly role that God created was to serve God. Let me say this to you. Adam, I believe, was the first priest of God in the garden. And that first priest of God was there at what? At whose bidding? It was at the bidding of father, the bidding of the king. All right? He was first and foremost priority was to serve God. As we go through scripture and we see these priests in the life of Israel, their first thing was to serve God. The Bible tells me in Revelation chapter 5 that he made us priests to do what? Revelation chapter 5, 10 says he made us priests to serve our God. Your first role as a priest of God by the blood of Jesus is that you would serve him and serve him first, all right? And this priestly service to God, whereby this priestly service was to serve God, whereby they would serve the kingdom. Okay, get this. These group of men who God consecrated, set apart, chose them, gave them a position. They were to serve him. But in serving him, they would serve others. They would serve the kingdom. How many know today, and this is not one of my messages about, but I'm going to say it again. How many know that when you come to a place where you serve God as a priest, how many know you will serve others around you? In your service to him, you will serve others. The problem is we have forgotten much of the time the service part of our Christianity, the service part of what he bought us at Calvary. We like to talk about sonship, and I love sonship, but we also were made priests, all right? So this priestly service would serve God, and whereby they would serve the kingdom. And this priestly service made a way. Watch what the scripture says. And I will come, and I will meet with you there. Where? God said, I will meet with you where the sacrifice is given. What was that? Why is that important? Let me take you to the nature of the God of the universe. Let me take you to the nature of the God of the heavens and the earth. His nature is he wants to meet with you. Do you get, listen to me. He wants to meet with you. I have meetings all the time. I wish I could tell you that everybody I had a meeting with I wanted to meet with. Now, none of those people I don't want to meet with are in this room. Have you ever had a meeting with somebody you didn't want to meet with? Oh, you're lying. Right? 
The God of heaven, the God, of the, the God that created the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, that created you, has this desire to meet with you. Do you know, as a parent, you have a desire to meet with your children? Right? Get the heart of God here. This priestly service would make a way where God could speak with his people. Oh, what a great meeting. We just sat there and looked at each other. Did you ever have one of those? The God of heaven says, I want to come down, and I want to meet with you, and I want to speak with you. Listen to me. He still wants to speak with his people. Now, watch this. In this priestly service that they were to perform in the Old Testament made a way for God to dwell among his people. You've got a sinful humanity. You have a sinful people. How many know sin is a front from God? Sin divides us, keeps us from God. Sin caused Adam and Eve to be driven out of the garden, right? Because sin cannot exist in the presence of God. And what does he do? You sacrifice these animals. You bring them here. And at that place of sacrifice that atones for the sin, there I will come and there I will dwell among you. Do you know what? God still wants to dwell among his people. But I'm going to get to all that in a moment. So watch this. All throughout the life of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, the priestly function would help to establish protect and preserve the kingdom of God, okay? You, you had this, watch, if you look through the Old Testament, here's what you had. You had kings, prophets, and priests. Not one of them was all three. You had kings, you had prophets, and you had priests. When you look in the kingdom, you'll see kings like Hezekiah, King David, King Solomon, King Uzziah. Matter of fact, how many know King Uzziah died because he tried to be a priest. He didn't die, he had leprosy for the rest of his life, right? There was no crossover between the two roles, but one of them helped to establish and protect and preserve the other. Because listen to me for a moment. Every year, let's just take one of those sacrifices and one of those things of worship. Every year on the great day of atonement, high priests take the blood of the lamb, take the blood into the holy place, offer the blood, and the sins were atoned for for another year. Do you understand that without the priestly function and the sacrifice of blood, there would have been no redemption and atonement for the kingdom? What would have happened to the sinful kingdom had it not been for the function of the priest? It was the priesthood that would help to establish, protect, and preserve the kingdom. As a matter of fact, when you look through Scripture, how many know it's oftentimes you find the priest who are anointing the next king? That they would take and dump the oil over him and they would take and anoint him. Right? Okay. Saying, what's the point? I'm going to get you to the point. Just, just bear with me, all right? Because I'm going to tell you how this affects your life. So now, you see in the Old Testament, people of God, kingdom of God, and this kingdom of God people were served by the priest who served God and served the people and established the kingdom, protected it, and preserved it. Now we fast forward to the fullness of time, Bible tells us in Galatians, where Jesus comes, and Jesus comes preaching a message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Hmm, have we had that, heard that before? Repent, for the kingdom, the king's domain, is at hand. The king's domain. Yeah, how many know this morning that when Jesus came, it was to come to bring the order of God's domain to earth? the order of the king's domain to come against the kingdom of darkness, right? Now, here we go. 
Who was this Jesus? Right? Let me give you a few scriptures. First scripture I want to give you is Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling, fix your eyes, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge to be our apostle and our what? High priest. He's our high priest. Yeah. Let me give you another scripture. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Oh, let me give you another scripture. All right? Here's another scripture. And he, being Jesus, was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. How many know Jesus' high priesthood does not come through Aaron? We'll get to that another day. Now watch this. So that's three scriptures among many that point to Jesus being the high priest. Then I'll give you a couple of scriptures here. This one. Where is the one? We talk about this a lot at Christmas time. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. How many of the magi come looking for the one who was king? All right, let me give you one more. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 says this. That about the son, this is God speaking, but about the son, God says, your throne will last forever and ever. A scepter, a scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. Why did I just give you these scriptures? Now, here, watch this. In the Old Testament, you had a kingly function and a kingly role and a kingly platform. And you had a priestly function and a priestly platform. And they were distinct from each other. But in the Gospels, what we see is priestly King Jesus in service to God. He was both. How many know this morning that he was not one or the other? He actually was prophet, priest, and king. Well, we're going to deal with these two this morning. That he came as the priestly King Jesus in service to God. Listen to me this morning. Jesus did not come to earth to serve you first. He came to earth to serve God first. And because he came to serve God, how many know he has served us? Right? You and I have been the benefactor of what happened with God, Jesus serving God. Now, in Christ, in Jesus, there would be no longer be a distinction between the king and the high priest. <laughs> I mean, he was the last king and he was the last high priest. Right? In Jesus, there would no longer be a distinction between the kingdom and the priesthood. Because I mean, today the Bible says we all are priesthood. We're all part of the priesthood of God. We're all part of the kingdom. You see, how many this morning that, that, that we don't serve a high priest on earth? That every one of us have been there. Now, so let's think about Jesus for a moment and what he did. Jesus came. Jesus, the last high priest, would offer the last sacrifice for sin. Do, listen to me. Do you understand this morning that there's not a, you, you, you cannot bring an offering for your sin? You cannot bring a sacrifice to pay for your sin. Do you know how many people spend their life trying to atone for their own sin? Well, if I just give enough money, if I just do enough work, if I just do enough service, if I'm just good enough, if I'm just kind enough, if I just, if I, if, if I just do enough. And what's the matter with that? The problem with that is you're always left with, did I do enough? Have I done enough to get it? And then you're in, you're out. You're in, you're out. You're in, you're out. How many of you ever played the in and out game with God? Okay, how many of you have pulse this morning? If you're not sure, do this. Like, 
we have been led to lead this life of the in and out Christianity, the up and down Christianity. And that's never what God's designed for us. All right? And, and so he was the last high priest who made the last sacrifice for sin. Okay? Now here's the question. How does it impact your life? How does it impact you on a daily basis? All right, and I'm going to take you through a few things, and I, I, I'm sure I can get done by two. Y'all are getting nervous now. Is it just something, oh, pastor's just preaching this idealism? No. Listen to me this morning. The kingdom of God is not and ever was idealism. The kingdom of God is realism. It is a reality in your life on a daily basis. That doesn't mean we live out the reality of it, right? How does it impact? Well, first of all, because I want you to know this. First of all, the work of priestly King Jesus is a now and then work. How many know there are things that he did that are actually in my life that I live in right here and right now, right? But yet there are some things that there's going to be a total, total fulfillment of after the second coming, all right? So what's, what are the things that are now? First of all, how many know your salvation is now? Come on, how many know your salvation does not begin when you get to heaven? Your salvation began the moment. And what is salvation, by the way? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Almost got you one for video, Troy. Almost fell. Like, how fast would you have edited that this afternoon? I said, I would have been up before the prayer thing you put up every Sunday. Man, I'm glad Kathy Manning wasn't here today. She'd have been like. <laughs> and if I'd have fell, I don't you to know something. I'd have just laughed and get up and kept laughing. You, you, can't, you can't be up here and be me and be serious because it's just what you get. But what is salvation? What is it anyhow? Salvation is the moment where you enter the kingdom of God. Salvation is the moment where you, it's more than saying a sinner's prayer. It is where you look and see God's kingdom and you say, I give up my right to self-govern. I yield my life to his life. And by faith in what Jesus did on Calvary, I'm stepping into his kingdom. Most people are looking at it as my ticket to get to heaven. Stop it. You're going to live short of what he has for you. Because you're walking into the kingdom now. There's a kingdom. Now. How many know there's a culture of the kingdom now? There's an economy of the kingdom now, and I won't get into those things today. And so now, your salvation is now, because you live in the kingdom now. You live in the salvation now with an eye on the future. Yeah, we understand there's a future. Your forgiveness is now. Huh. Thank you, Jesus. Every one of you should have shouted on that one, because you're all a bunch of stinking heathens anyhow. Just having fun. I think some of you have been given, your lips have been given frostbite this morning. I shall not smile. My lips have been froze over by the ice. The roads are fine, but my ice lips are not going to move. And you can't make me. You, you, all, you all should be happy with me. I'm going to be in trouble for making fun of Penny. Your forgiveness is now, man. Like you walk in freedom now. You walk in forgiveness now. 
right? What else? Your redemption is now. You are redeemed right now. Bought with a price right now, right? You, you see, these things are realities now, but here's the thing. You're, you are in his kingdom when? When I die? No, you're in his kingdom right now. You are in his kingdom now with a future fulfillment that is promised later. The Bible says my citizenship is in heaven. My citizenship is in the kingdom. The Bible says that the kingdom, that I am in the kingdom now. All right? If it's only, look, I think we should encourage ourselves with the thoughts of a future eternal bliss in heaven, which thankfully Jesus, we're not floating around on clouds. I am so glad we're not going to be floating on clouds. I am so glad we're not going to be floating on clouds, playing harps, doing nothing. I don't do well doing nothing. It's not what it's going to be, but anyhow. You're in his kingdom now with a future fulfillment promised later. The, but the Bible also says that the kingdom is within you now. It's within you. Where is it? Can I see it? Can I touch it? Is there an earthly throne? No, it's in me. Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? Within you. It's in you. Okay? It's in me with a future fulfillment that is promised later. Now, you think about this. Here's the deal. So when you begin to look at this, this work of priestly King Jesus was not to just get you into heaven in the future, but to bring you into the kingdom of God now. And here's why I want to take you back to the Old Testament scripture. Because it is through his work, it is through the work of priestly King Jesus where God meets with you now. Ladies and gentlemen, you are blood-bought, born-again children of God who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, who have been redeemed by the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. The last high priest made the last offering. Oh, the light's going off. Is that a five-minute warning? And this, this last offering that was made, right, now, what does that mean? It means now that God, listen to me, the God of the heavens so wanted to meet with you that he was willing to give his son so his son could become the high priest to offer himself on your behalf so that he could meet with you. He could dwell with you. He could speak with you. He could, you, you would encounter the God of heaven. Not just when you die. Why else would he put his Holy Spirit in us? Why else would he do that? Listen to me. There's a God wanting to meet you and you haven't taken the time to give him any attention. He wants to. He wants to. He said, I want to talk. I want to meet with you so badly that my son did this work. And yet you've got to come to a place where you, you say, can I really meet with him? Yes. Yes. When's the last time you have had a God encounter? where he has spoke to your heart, where you encountered him and your heart beat. Remember the two on the road to Emmaus? Where our heart's not burning within us when he was in our presence and he met with us. Some of you don't need more Bible, you need more encounter. This, the, 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 through the work of priestly King Jesus, God says, I want to speak with you. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his. Okay, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his. Okay, I'm going to do it again. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his. Son. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> That's why we don't answer you. <laughs> okay. The, the Bible says that he used to speak to us by the prophets. But no, 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 no. That in these last days, he has chosen to speak to us through his son. Do you understand it was God speaking when Jesus was walking the earth and Jesus in the gospel? God was speaking. He was speaking to his people. He was speaking to his creation. He was speaking to us, saying, I want to speak with you. And now you and I have the ability as believers, as people who are in the kingdom, that we're not in a kingdom of a king who doesn't want to speak with us. We're in a kingdom where he does want to speak with us. Do you know what I know? I know that I can't get on the phone today and call Donald Trump. But if I could, I'd have a check by the end of the day. <laughs> hey, Donald, let me tell you about this project I got going on. You don't believe that? Oh, I believe that. Somebody get him on the phone for me. God, that means, what it means for you today is the high priest made an offering whereby God can speak with you. Because without that work of the high priest, you can't even speak to him. Through the work of the priestly king Jesus, God dwells within you. God says, I want to dwell where that is made. I want to dwell where that blood was shed. I want to dwell where that blood is covered. Come on, come on. Guess what? The Bible promised me there would be a day where God would put his spirit within me. And how many know that day is today? All throughout the history of the scriptures, he promised there would be a day where he'd give his spirit and his spirit would dwell in flesh, dwell in the hearts of men. Come on. Do you know, where, do you know his spirit dwells within you? Aren't you glad he doesn't dwell in the building today? I mean, he could dwell in the building, and you might not have got here today to see him because of the storm of the century. <laughs> but the cool thing about it is, he's within you, his spirit. And he dwells with you on a 24-7 basis because you're in his kingdom, and his kingdom is in you. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God because he was the king. He was the king and he was the priest. He, he came preaching the kingdom of God because he was the high priest, watch this, who would forever establish the kingdom so sinful men could enter. All through the Old Testament, I'm watching these priests performing their sacrificial duties, performing their acts of worship on behalf of serving God and serving men so that the kingdom would not be destroyed, so the kingdom could be atoned for, so the kingdom would be established, so the kingdom would be preserved. And yet I look into the New Testament and I say, my King Jesus, who came as high priest, and says, I'm going to make an offering that once and for all will forever establish the kingdom of God. Oh, it blows me away when you connect the dots of the Bible. It gets me a little excited. But many of us have just made it about, oh, I'm going to punch my ticket to heaven. Well, I'm glad you're going to heaven, but I wish you could live in the kingdom now. I, I, I'm glad you're going to heaven, but I wish you could live in the reality of the kingdom now. You see, because if you only live with an idealism that one day you're going to be in the kingdom, you're going to miss the reality moments of living in the kingdom. If you don't believe it's real now, you won't live in it now. 
if it's only something that happens in the distant future, you hope for it and you believe for it, but it doesn't impact as much. You find yourself living in a different way. You're living as a, as a way to get there rather than living being there. You see, I, 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 go to, I love to go to the beach. The beach is one of the best places in the world. Shh, Tim Luzinski, be quiet. Okay? <laughs> right? And I always love going there. But the reality is, when I'm thinking about going, and I'm sitting at the house planning the trip and thinking about going, I don't put any sunscreen on. Yeah. I don't put any sunscreen on. Because I'm living in idealism. But when I get there, and I'm living in the reality of it, I get the sunscreen out. Hmm? Time I had Penny put it on, she missed my belt line. It was not a nice trip. <laughs> right here, Listen, she put a picture of me on the roof Thanksgiving morning. Listen to me. But the point of the matter is that I lived in it when I was living in it, and the reality of it was I'm at the beach. I'm in the beach. It's hot, and I'm going to put sunscreen on because this is my reality. Listen to me, church. The kingdom is not just an idealistic future. It is the reality now that you live in. And there are things you put on. There's things that are on you and things that are in you because it's a reality. But you won't do it unless you see it as a reality. In light of the work of this priestly King Jesus, priestly King Jesus, then we need to live as what I showed you in Exodus chapter 19. We're a chosen people. Come on. Come on. He chose us. He chose to save us. He desired to save us. He desired to do it. He wanted to do it. He chose to rescue us from Egypt. He chose to send us. He chose to redeem us. You got, if you get nothing else this morning, listen. He chose you. He chose you. But now, what happens? The priestly role preserves you. The priestly role that Jesus, the priestly king's role that Jesus performed is something that preserves you as you're part of the kingdom. Huh. You're preserved in the kingdom. And you are redeemed people, bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. And you're a treasured people. Huh. Let me say it to you this way. You're special. You're special. And you're a kingdom people. You're a kingdom people. Called to be kingdom people of God. Come on, Troy. Uh, he was not ready. He's still behind the booth. Normally, if you, know, if you got my view on Sundays, he sneaks to the corner. Because he's anticipating my closure. Today he's dragging. Come on, just come up the middle. (laughs) 
Jesus came, and he was the last priestly king that would establish the kingdom in service to God. And the great thing about him and what he came preaching and what he came demonstrating is we have, we don't have an in and out, up and down order. How many, how many of you know people that you're not sure how they're going to be one day to the next? And like, oh, today they're up. Let me test the waters today. Oh, they're down. Let's go over here. I'm going to treat them this way. I mean, some, of those, some people can change by the hour. Some seem to change by the minute. But the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he's the unchanging person. He's the unchanging king. He's the unchanging priest. He does not change. What you read in the Gospels is what's true in your life. What he did in the gospel is what's true in your life today. And he came and he said what? Repent for the kingdom is here. I've established this kingdom through my kingship and my priesthood. And this kingdom is the absolute order. There's an absolute order that I present. You know, we got a lot of well, I got, we got a lot of stuff in our world today. How I many know what used to be an absolute order is not an absolute order anymore? I mean, it, it, and this is not, I'm not going down this road. Please understand me. I, I don't mock. I don't make fun. I don't like that kind of stuff when it comes to some of these things. But it used to be an absolute order that when a male or a female was born with male or female parts, they were a male or female. I, I'm just saying that that's not an absolute order anymore. We, we've gone to this place where we can choose it. I, I, I mean, I've been trying it. I'm, I, I've been choosing to be a millionaire. It hasn't worked yet. Uh, I mean, I've designated to be a millionaire. It just hasn't worked. But it's an absolute order. But not only is it an absolute order, it's an absolute perfect righteous order. That the order of the day, the order of the world is all over the place. But there's one thing that you can set your life upon is the order of the kingdom. And the Bible tells me what? Seek first. You see, because what happens is, it is the things of this world that will cause us to chase after the things of this world. When Jesus said what? Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, what I know is that when the kingdom is in me and I'm in the kingdom, all the resources of the kingdom are at my disposal. So today, I, I want you to see, like, like I always want, I understand all the terminology and all the imagery. Lamb of God, Lion of Judah. I get all that. I love it. I love preaching the Lion of Judah. I love preaching the Lamb of God. I love all that. But I want you to know something. Those are images, if you will. But Jesus, the priestly king, is not an image. It's a reality. He's the priest, and he's the king that he has established his kingdom of which you and I live now. You and I live now, and it lives in us now. Right now. Right now. 
that the king wants to speak with you. The king wants to meet with you. The king wants to dwell within you. There is no distinction anymore between the priesthood and the kingdom. Because Jesus made it one. And now you and I, what did he make us? What did King Jesus make us? Priest in the kingdom of God. And now, I want, I, I, now we, we got a choice. Live out that reality now or just live in idealism. It will impact the way you live. It will change how you interact with some people. Yeah, you'll actually forgive some people because that's the order of the kingdom. You'll actually love some people that are unlovable because it's the order of the kingdom. I'm going to go over and hit Troy in the cheek and he's going to turn the other cheek because it's the order of the kingdom. There's an absolute order and an unchanging person. So I want you to behold, and I want you to behold your king, but I want you to behold your priestly king who has given you a now and then, a now realism, and there is an ideal future. But don't push everything off to an ideal future because there is a now reality, a now reality. Father, help us with this message. Help us understand your kingdom. Help us see Jesus for who he is. Help us see, see him as that priestly king. And that priestly king came and, and he performed a function. It was a function under you. And he served you. And when he served you, he was serving us. And when he served you, he was establishing the kingdom. That there's no longer distinction. It, it's amazing. In the Old Testament, you could have a righteous priest and a wicked king. You could have wicked kings and righteous priests and unrighteous priests and righteous kings. But now we have one who is righteous on both sides. He's the righteous king, the righteous priest. Who has paved the way for us to meet with you, speak with you, dwell with you, and you with us. And you did this because of your desire for us. And so today we say we're a chosen people, we're a treasured people, we're a redeemed people. We are kingdom of God people. So Father, help us grab hold of the kingdom message that'll connect the dots. In Jesus' name.